Welcome to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast, where we explore the spirituality of the Christian child through the method of catechesis of the Good Shepherd. I am your host, Carrie Mecki Lozano. We are in the middle of celebrating this beautiful season of Easter right now. And throughout this season, we hear many stories about after Jesus rose from the dead, these resurrection narratives. I love these narratives because they give us a glimpse of what parousia will look like. And they also have so many layers, just like all the Bible stories, how we can learn so much about who Jesus is, but also how we can see reflections of our own experiences in these stories. The road to Emmaus is no exception. Today, Karen Maxwell joins us to reflect on this resurrection narrative, The Road to Emmaus, and how it parallels a catechist journey through formation of the catechesis of the Good Shepherd. Welcome, Karen, to the Good Shepherd and the Child podcast. We are so excited that you are here with us today. Thank you. I'm so happy to be with you. Karen, would you share with us just a little bit about yourself, who you are? Yes, I'd be happy to. I'm a catechist. I have been serving with Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, serving children in Catechesis of the Good Shepherd for about 29 years. I am a formation leader, having um, serving adults in courses for about I think around 25 years, and I am serving as the Director of Formation for the National Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, or I should say the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, a role that I've had for about 16 years. So I'm immersed in the love of the Good Shepherd through Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. So if anybody has ever emailed CGS USA about formation, they've probably been talking to you. Yeah, generally speaking, yeah, there's, we all take in, we all pitch in and do different things. But yes, I do answer an awful lot of questions along that line from catechists <laughs> and formation leaders and people who are just new and they just curious to know more. Yes. Um, I'm also a, a mother and a grandmother. So um I have three children who started with me in the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd when they were little and preschool age. I now have three grandchildren as well, and two of whom are part of an atrium or are in atrium. And your daughter is a catechist too, is that correct? That's right. Yes, I have a daughter who's also trained as a level one catechist. That's awesome. Well, today, Karen and I would like to share with you guys one of the resurrection scriptures that we meditate on during this season of Easter. There are so many different resurrection narratives, and they're all so special because they give us a glimpse of who Jesus is, his divine self, but also a glimpse of parousia within that. And they're just so beautiful, and they have a lot to share. And so we would like to ponder on one specifically, the road to Emmaus or the walk to Emmaus. <clears throat> today with all of our listeners. Karen, would you be willing to share with us that scripture? I would be happy to read that. And imagine with me that I've lit a candle because that is something that we typically do when we read scripture. Now on that same day, two of them were going to a village called Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem, and talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing, 
Jesus himself came near and went with them, but their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, What are you discussing with each other while you walk along? They stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have taken place there in these days? He asked them, What things? They replied, The things about Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how our chief priests and leaders handed him over to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things took place. Moreover, some women of our group astounded us. They were at the tomb early this morning, and when they did not find his body there, they came back and told us that they had indeed seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but they did not see him. Then he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, and how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have declared. Was it not necessary that the Messiah should suffer these things and then enter into his glory? Then, beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them the things about himself in all the scriptures. As they came near the village to which they were going, he walked ahead as if he were going on. But they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, because it is almost evening and the day is now nearly over. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at the table with them, he took bread, blessed, and broke it, and gave it to them. Then their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, and he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, Were not our hearts burning within us while he was talking to us on the road, while he was opening the scriptures to us? That same hour they got up and returned to Jerusalem, and they found the eleven and their companions gathered together. They were saying, The Lord has risen indeed, and he has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road, and how he had been made known to them in the breaking of the bread. This scripture is so beautiful. Yes, it is. <laughs> it ha- For me, it has so many different layers of what it offers and... As I've been preparing for this episode and um, reading through the scripture a few times, what stood out to me was, for me, it follows a pattern of prayer. Um, Somebody once told me that whenever you, an option for whenever you are praying is to first spend the first few minutes just unloading on God and telling him all the things that are going on in your life or all the things that are clogging up your mind at the moment so that it's all out there. And then you are able to sit there and listen. And I feel like this scripture does that. You have the, you have the disciples there at the beginning talking to each other and then telling Jesus who they didn't even know was Jesus all about 
everything that's been going on. So they're just talking and talking and talking. And then Jesus goes, okay, it's my turn. It's my turn. Let me now show you all of this in a new light. Um, it's like they were, they were praying with each other. And, and then they end with hope at the end as Jesus is talking to them and they end with hope. But I think the part that I like the most is that when they realized that their hearts were burning inside, they immediately wanted to go and tell. They immediately went back to Jerusalem and wanted to tell others about what they just experienced. And from that feeling of their hearts burning inside of them and just, it had to be shared. Well, I love how you describe that, um, how it's impacted you in that way. And, and along that pattern of prayer. And I was looking at um, part of that is that sense of, yeah, they had to share. Are you kidding me? You didn't know about all these things that have happened. <laughs> <laughs> the shock that must have been on their face um, was probably amazing. And um, and you almost want to wonder if uh, Jesus would have had a bit of a twinkle in the eye somewhere <laughs> if they could have seen him, <laughs> if they understood him. And, um, and then I love the part about him continuing to walk with them and sharing mm-hmm. all of these things about scripture and their hearing. And they knew they would know those scriptures that he was referring to, mm-hmm. but what they might not have understood until then was all these connections. And he was helping to slowly unveil those connections for them. And he was preparing them further. The word of God was preparing them to further recognize him in a particular moment that was also incredible. Mm. The fact that they could come together, they invited him to that meal. They said, please stay with us, stranger that you are, whoever you are, stay with Mm us. And what does he do but completely transform that moment for them? I love that that moment of him blessing and in the breaking of the bread, them knowing him, because I think that that is also that place of what they the pattern they started to establish between listening to the word of God and then subsequently coming together for this meal mm-hmm. and remembering the Last Supper, remembering what he did at that meal. What's beautiful is they had to like invite him into that. So he was ready to walk on. He was waiting for an invitation to be invited into this this meal in order for him to be able to re- fully reveal himself and who he is. That's that's wonderful. That's true. They they invited him. He had invited them first of all into the the scriptures, and then they invited him to this meal, and then he's turning around and inviting them further. <laughs> I think, mm-hmm. you know, into looking at that, and then you know, I love the i the what you said about they immediately needed to go back and share what had just happened. They weren't going to wait overnight. They had to walk back those many miles to Jerusalem to share with the other disciples that he is risen to make that proclamation. Mm-hmm. The other thing that stands out for me with this scripture that I just love this one so much. I actually love all the resurrection narratives, but I love this one even more is that how much this also patterns the way that we celebrate Mass, the celebrate the Holy Eucharist, Mm -hmm. that we have this liturgy of the word and then we have this liturgy of the Eucharist, Um, that that pattern is there for us 
first even with him at that moment. And I'm also struck by how transformative it is. They were not the same disciples when they first started on that road compared to the disciples who ran back to Jerusalem to share that news. They had had an encounter that was deeply, that deeply transformed them, that made sense in a way that they had been so fearful about what was, what had just happened to Jesus, what they had seen. They had all these hopes for him and they seemed to be all dashed. (laughs) He was this prophet. And then what it turns around, um, they had, he died and then they had heard this news that he has risen. So, you know, I can't imagine that whole idea of them processing <laughs> what is going on here. What are we, what are we, what is he showing us? I like the humanity of the disciples in this scripture as well. Cause like you were just saying, they started out so hopeless and confused and then, and Jesus and what he says of like, oh, you foolish ones. How, how do you not see this? They're just their humanity of them. And then their excitement and their joy that made them run back to Jerusalem. Just this journey that they were on. Um, yes, the physical journey on the road to Emmaus, but this spiritual journey that they were on of realizing what has been going on and what is, who is Jesus. The humanity on this journey that they were on is really beautiful to me. Yes, it is. Because we all can relate to that, can't we? Yes. We can relate to these these moments of uncertainty, confusion, fear, you know, what has happened. These are sadness, really, even the whole aspect of it. And yet at the same time, um, in excitement. I love that. Weren't our hearts burning mm-hmm. when we heard him speak the words? And they seem so excited whenever they're talking to the other disciples back in Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is what happened to That's us. Right. Listen to what happened to us. He is here. They were right. But I, I think I'm also um, um, intrigued by the fact that these disciples would have also been, as Jewish followers, they would be thinking about how God breaks through the natural world, how God breaks through in the world, um, that that's what biblical history was, was showing through these events that God is present. Now they hadn't quite maybe understood all of those things at the time, but, um, they could also connect to the supernatural world of God because of the various events that they were already aware of. So as Jesus is walking with them and telling them these things that they have, they've been familiar with, I think it, it had such a profound impact, depth on them that was important that they recognized this particular power that was transcendent, that was uh, God was at work and he was at work through Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was a, a way of understanding the spirit of God, the spirit of God for each of them and the invitation to go deeper, to understand what God's actions in the world. And I think those who have been through catechesis of the Good Shepherd formation can relate to that feeling so much, that that journey and that transcended experience that causes them to go, oh, wow. Weren't our hearts burning within us as we were listening to the scripture or as we were watching the mingling of the wine presentation and, or, um, I think 
at least for myself, I know that throughout my for- formation, especially that first one, you felt that heart burning inside of you feeling that the disciples felt on the road to Emmaus. That's right, Carrie. It's like um, feeling like I have never seen anyone speak about the scriptures or the word of God or present something from the word of God in that way. It, it is, it, it can be profoundly transformative for um, adults entering into that, that formation. Mm-hmm. What about you, Karen? What was your first experience? Well, I was probably like very, um, quite a few others who I think on, on along the way who, um, I was really searching for something in my church that I could do with my children meaningfully. And um, I I felt a real sense of a search. At that time, I I had two children. I had actually a a daughter who was four and a a baby daughter. And um, and, and my son wasn't born until a a couple of years after that. But, um, But in that search, our director of religious education had was had found out about catechesis of the good shepherd and she wanted to see about starting it in our in the parish but it was not easy to find the training and all those kinds of things that happened anyway um when i was able to go to training um i went thinking that i am going to find out about this program that i can teach my children and be with other children at our church that I'm going to learn about this so that I can be a a teacher, so to speak. But when I got into the formation and, Mm -hmm. and I think one of the first really strong um, memories I have of for a presentation was seeing the formation leader give the parable of the good shepherd Mm. and, um, and sitting there with others around and, um, I had just never experienced anything before where I, I really felt this sense, a real strong sense of calling to this, to this work that I didn't understand. I didn't even know what I was getting into (laughs) at the time. And, um, and so, but the words that were being proclaimed from the scripture, I am the good shepherd sheep know his voice they follow him and then even and seeing it in light of those materials was captivating to me and I wanted to know more Hmm. and so continuing then with that um, that formation was just really just the beginning of the point of departure because I, I keep really keep taking formation in order and then keep deepening and keep absorbing and keep um, listening for it's 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 cultivated um, a particular spirit and understanding in me that I would never have dreamt before. So it seems just like the scriptures that Jesus lifted up to the disciples on the road to Emmaus, like like the Good Shepherd is probably a parable that you have heard many many times throughout your life, but in this moment when spoken in a different way, it made your heart burn. That's really beautiful. Yeah, it was. That's right, because it seemed like it was almost like the spotlight was then on this particular, this particular scripture was isolated and it, and it, and it stood out. And it was like that for every presentation. Of course, when we start with level one, that is exactly what it is for the, for the little ones, for the three to six year olds, right? All of those, um, the parables, the 
every presentation that we offer is really given as a, a, a just a bit, just enough. The, the parables, for instance, the mustard seed is one line, one verse, but we can, we can reflect on that verse for a, a long time. In fact, that one continues all the way up mm-hmm. through the 12 year olds. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, it's enlivening what that does and allows us. So it's almost as if, um, yes, I may have been a woman in my 30s taking this formation, but I could have really easily, um, it met me at a um, the three to six-year-old level too of something I never had when I was a three to six-year-old. And it, and it formed me deeply and with a real strong sense of uh, God's love for me, but also in knowing who Jesus is in that love and also being called to be able to sh- share with other children, to share with the children. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think a lot of people can relate to what you're saying of that. You went to formation in order to provide something for your children and the children of your parish, but instead you received this deep formation of the heart yourself that transformed you. And after that transformation, it affects the children. So it's just this crazy paradigm that ends up happening for all of us as adults whenever we do this formation that um, we have this one goal, but <laughs> of being something completely different, changing who we are, making our hearts burn inside of us that makes us want to go run back to the children and say, oh, it's true. Oh, it's true. He has risen. You know, like we saw him. Let me tell you about what we saw. Um, And that shared experience of us being transformed and transforming right alongside the children. I think that's what makes this so unique. Um, One of the many things that makes this, this work so unique is that experience, that relationship and that um, transformation that happens inside of our hearts. That's exactly right. That's beautifully said because it is, it is like that. And it's really not an simply an intellectual exercise. This is, this is why what we speak about in this, uh, in the catechist formation is that it is, it is instructional. We, we will learn the, the, what to present to children, what we call presentations instead of lessons. We talk about, um, we, each presentation is given to um, the adult. That is exactly what, they, what the adult would give to the children in, in an atrium setting. Um, we will learn the about how to do that and the materials that are needed for it. And uh, we will be learning more about the children. Um, who are these children at this age? What are their particular needs and religious capacities? But it doesn't stop there. Um, our experience is also, it is very experiential, I should say, mm-hmm. because it is something that must touch the heart and it must mm-hmm. cultivate our spirit as a catechist. And it has to be this kind of connection between both what, what is in our minds as well as in our hearts and in our spirits. And um, it really can give us a much fuller understanding of our own faith and how to express it, how to articulate it. And we get to do that beginning with the youngest children because that is the simplest way that we should be learning how to express our, our faith. Mm-hmm. Is, uh, and it's also the most essential. 
children of that age help us to understand what is really most essential. So I like that. The other thing about catechist formation was or is that it is a it is pretty multifaceted. It is not just one thing, but it is the um, in that experience, it is a, a lot of hands on work. We learn how to present to the, the children with the materials. We also learn how to make those materials. We make them in the catechist formation. We think theologically in our writing of the album pages. Mm -hmm. So they are not just given to us. We really need to think through what did we experience? What did we see? So that's a process of thinking theologically that I found at first intimidating because I didn't have that kind of background. And um, it's something that I really continue to grow with and love. It's it's kind of put me into studying all kinds of things that I wouldn't have, have thought about. And at the same time, really my most important place to study is with the children. I think that formation also provides us with a deeper respect for the children as well. It, it gives us the gift to understand these human beings, fully human beings that we are being entrusted with that we have been gifted with and to understand and to respect who they are, but also respect that they already have that relationship with God. Um, We are just on the journey with them, not providing them with something they don't already have. And I think that shift that happens within us is really beautiful. It um, creates a lot of respect. I think that the way that I look at children now is completely different. It's like what you just said of, sitting alongside them because they, you, that is your preference is to sit alongside them because they like what is most essential. They have taught you that. So it's that respect that they have something to provide us and that they already have something. We're not giving them something that they don't already have in regards to their relationship with God. That is so true. That's probably one of the other aspects of this particular Um, catechist formation that can be so transformative for the adult is this awareness and respect for what the youngest children have to show us. But I would also, I wouldn't limit it just to the youngest children because it's really at each age, at each age group to be able to really respect that children have their own relationship with God. They have their own spirituality. And it's really an opportunity for us to listen and notice what that relationship is and um, seeing how it unfolds for the children as they grow and helping just to be up. um, up. Sometimes it's being a quiet guide along the way and walking along with them. That's that's why the other thing I think about the road to Emmaus is that this walking with children where we're we're with them we're not towering over them telling them what they need to do or believe or anything but what we are doing is offering them what is proclaimed of the good news and giving them the opportunity to listen to it and to respond and we do that over and over and over again and each time we see something new with the children with us and with our our relationship with the children i love that I love the depth that happens, the the layers. And I think that it, for myself, at least, it has taken many times of going to formation and um, even level one, multiple times of going to level one formation in order for me to feel like I have skimmed the surface 
of what is offered there. And that's just, that's not just catechesis of the good shepherd. That's also scripture. So I feel like as I've been able to be blessed to do multiple formations, the depths of scripture, like the mustard seed parable has been revealed to me by the repetition, by the um, experiencing it over and over and over and by doing formation multiple times. It's, it's gifted me that. I think I ended up realizing that I was so um, hunger, hungry and thirsty to know more, to know who God is, to know who Jesus is. And, um, and as I embarked in this journey of catechist formation, and little by little, I was noticing how much it was feeding me in all these different levels. And then to be able to go back and um, audit those, those formation those courses again becoming a formation leader has been one of those places of i just keep learning along with the those adults who come in those courses with me Mm -hmm. um i've had some remarkable times where that i felt i really did have this sense that both with the children and with the adults that god is present here jesus is with us the holy spirit has has descended and we have seen things that we did not see before. Our eyes were open to something new in a different way. And uh, it feeds a particular um, hunger for wanting to be able to do that, to, um, to keep growing in that relationship that he's calling us to all the time. So that's, w- that's what is delightful about being able to be with children in that way, because those things we do not plan, those things happen as we just simply are willing to give the proclamation, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm. Karen, would you tell us about one of those times where you feel like you saw in a child or an adult um, that they have had a connection, that they have had that experience with God, you were able to see it? Well, I think as a, a catechist, especially as I was starting out, and I have, um, as my children were younger, I ended up realizing that the formation that I received was helping me to be a better observer in my daily life and with my mm. children mm-hmm. where they are. Because life is so, it seems so fast and full. And I've got lots of things going on. When, when you have young children, obviously many of you can relate, or children of any ages really, it starts this, um, lots of things happening. And sometimes it's really hard to stop long enough to pay attention to what did that child just say? Or uh, what was that prayer? Or let me write this down because I'm about to, I might not remember it. And, uh, but yet it was sometimes those very unassuming uh, experiences with my children, whether it was at, in the car or at a, at the dinner table or before going to bed. Um, or maybe as in a, a situation I had a time with my almost four-year-old son, he was hungry and we were in the kitchen, but we, the lights weren't on. So the kitchen was a little bit dark and we had both gone to the refrigerator and I had opened up the refrigerator and here it is. We see that we have the light coming out from the refrigerator and I hadn't taken anything out yet, but he says to me, you know, mom, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. <laughs> and I looked at him. I said, oh, really? 
<laughs> oh my goodness. I think I know where you first heard that. But it was in the atrium. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Anyway, he, little things like that. Or um, um, our prayer times at dinner time. And if the older ones were saying a prayer for the meal, thanking God for our meal, even as my younger ones were starting to learn their language, they would be trying to join in to that prayer. Instead of maybe being able to say amen, my the 18-month-old was saying mamen or, you know, <laughs> but just wanting to still proclaim it, you know. So being able to notice what those moments are and stopping long enough to listen and observe and sometimes trying to make sure to write it down. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Karen, is there anything else about the road to Emmaus or about CGS formation that you would like to share before we finish up today? I think it's so the, the catechist formation um, is like no other because it is so multifaceted and we really like to give it time because that, that time that it, it is needed for formation is Um, something that allows an adult to interiorize the themes, to allow that to be deeply part of them, because the the belief is that the adult needs to be deeply enriched with the word, with uh, the moments of the mass of the Holy Eucharist, with an understanding and a respect for the child, in order to then sometimes leave all of that at the atrium door and enter in to be present to the ch- children in a most loving and respectful way to to just create this place in an, an environment of the atrium that is sacred and holy and allows them a place to to be able to know and love God and to know themselves as beloved children of God we we don't we don't treat that lightly we hold it very um it's a sacred time um for because we believe that each child needs that chance to do what is part of their baptism actually to grow in the love and the knowledge of god jesus his son and the holy spirit mm-hmm. Well, Karen, if there was anybody who was interested in participating in formation or maybe hosting formation at their parish, um, what is the first step? How do they go about doing that? We are more than happy to answer any questions by contacting us through our website, CGS USA. There is um, a tab under Learn that has courses for adults, where, which actually list courses that are updated regularly. We have catechist formation offered by various formation leaders around the country, and uh, they are updated on a regular basis. We also have some information on the website about that. My email address is also available through the website as well, or anyone else who's on our staff. But we look at how to begin and we'll say that it's really best if anyone interested in attending formation would go to where there is a formation being offered, where there's also an atrium. 
because oftentimes people want to host a training, but uh, they may not have the atrium yet. And seeing that environment, being in that environment as an adult, you start to realize, oh, this is so much more than I thought it was going to be in terms of what can be given to the child. And then it helps the adult capture the vision, what Catechesis of the Good Shepherd is all about. Mm-hmm. So we do say that the to attend a training that is being given is so much um, better. There are local trainings, but also we have periodically national, uh, sponsored by our association, mm-hmm. national courses. So, but we would be happy to answer any questions. Just send us an email, give us a call. Great. Well, thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your reflections with us. We really appreciate all that you do for this work. It's my pleasure. Thank you, Carrie. Thank you so much for listening. The Catechesis of the Good Shepherd formation is incredibly unique. When I talk to people about joining formation, I have always said that it's more like a retreat than it would be a course. It It's also not limited just to those who want to be catechists in an atrium, but it is designed for that. It offers deep spiritual and personal growth for anyone who participates. For myself, after my first formation with the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd, I not only understood the pieces of the Mass so much more, but I've also been able to enter deeper into prayer whenever I'm able to celebrate the Mass. As Karen said, if you would like to learn more about the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd Formation, please go to our website, cgsusa.org. I'm going to put a link to this specific part of our website where you can learn about formation into our show notes. This podcast is sponsored by the United States Association of the Catechesis of the Good Shepherd. We want to thank all of the contributing members of the association because you are making this podcast possible. If you want to know more about Catechesis of the Good Shepherd or become a member, please go to cgsusa.org. Thank you so much for joining us. We will see you in two weeks. Go and fall more deeply in love with God.